For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. No BS with the bull, Manny Fernandez. Worldwide in the VOC Nation Wrestling Network, the voice of choice, Bruce Ward, back with the raging bull after we had about a week off uh, or so <laughs> how uh, how's how's your last two weeks been the world's changed since the last time we talked oh yeah it's changed a lot it's opened up a lot you know a lot of people seem to get done uh, the message about getting vaccines and opening up the country which is a good thing but like i said before i'm, I'm used to quarantine i don't like being around people because half the time they're stupid anyway <laughs> yeah. I I didn't mind it. You know, I'm my job is uh, is in the people business. So I, yeah. I um I'm one of those people my wife will tell you I'm an extroverted introvert. So when I, I, I can present to thousands of people, I can MC, you know, things for thousands of people, I can do presentations, I can talk at people, but like one on one at a party or something like that, I'm not the best guy. I, I'm not, I'm not the uh, social butterfly, as they say. Yeah, I'm the same way. Because after a while, they get stupid. And I can't, you know, back when I was young, you got stupid hanging out. So I ended up punching you in the face. <laughs> Those <laughs> creatures punch you in the face. <laughs> There's no arguments with me. I'm going to punch you in the face. But yeah, you know, it's, it's been a big difference. And, you know, since, since the last time we talked, I've had, you know, I tell you, I don't watch wrestling. I don't keep up with it. But I have eyes and ears out there in the wrestling world to tell me what's going on with this and how the world is, you know, pro wrestling is changing and evolving. And so much disrespect about the business. And something I used to love where, you know, the business garnered so much respect from everybody, from the fans and, you know, even major people, politicians, whatever, cops, you know, police officers and, it just that's gone out the window. What do you yeah, what, and what what's changed, man? What what's made the business change so much in the last thirty years? Besides the internet, I mean, I think that's a big part of it, isn't it? The internet wasn't around back when the magic was still there. Now that there's the internet, uh, word gets around so fast, you can't do anything in secret because somebody knows about it and they're telling somebody else. And then by the next thing you know, it's up on Twitter. Yeah, that's true. There's so much true because people, idiots use the internet too, and you know, like uh, WWE star, you know, these clowns that go around, like I was saying earlier, I was on there because uh, Rikishi, who's a yep. great, one of the great workers of Samoan work, all the Samoans work their butt off. Everybody knows that. He's one of the guys that got a great school out of California. 
the Samoan offense teacher got a beautiful school, great school in Pennsylvania, trained a lot of great guys. Same thing with Rakishi out in California. He got yeah. in, he was calling out these idiots that, you know, that spend what, a cup of coffee in WWE and all of a sudden open up a wrestling school, try to take advantage of students. And he was just, you know, telling them, hey, these schools are ripping you off. They have no respect for the business. They're really nobodies trying to be somebody guaranteeing you something that you'll never be able to get for, with them. You know, and that, that's something that's stuck in my head that we talked about in the past. How people are using this or there's an idiot down here in Texas and he, th- he, he goes around saying that he wrestled for WWE and the only thing you see about him wrestling WWE is getting squashed in 15 seconds and three I don't think he had three matches with WWE. I don't think they added up to a minute. So that tells you how, how much experience, but he uses that that I was W great WWE And I trained this guy and Daniel Bryan and all this, which is true. It's not even true because it was Shawn Michaels school when it was here and Shawn Michaels and uh, Paul Diamond and Jose Lothario, all these great guys that really had the rest of the knowledge were the ones training everybody in that school. But, you know, he's using the thing that, I train these guys. It's just, and Rakishi was calling these idiots out, saying, you know, they're ripping you off. They're really nobody trying to be somebody. It's just it's amazing because these kind of people tell these kids that weigh 110 pounds, they could be superstars. Pay me this $5,000, come to my school, and I'll make you a superstar. And that, you know, that, you know, takes away from the mystique of what pro wrestling used to be the big guy, the Andre the Giant. Black Jack Mulligan, the Dickie Murdoch, the Dick the Bruisers, the big guys, you know, big, big guys, men that, look, you know, you looked up to and respected when you were a kid. I mean, wrestling used to be so popular back in the day, it was on the major networks. Right. Until uh, Turner opened up TBS and everybody wanted to go worldwide. And you can't blame him for that. But I think, you know, I see Bill after sometimes he posts, you know, the ratings on NXT or yeah, EW and 800,000 people, 1 million. Now they used to be ratings were 10 million people on ABC, NBC, CBS. They used to have it on major networks. And these guys get excited over a million people. Well, just think about that. You know, you just draw a million people on TV. That's not very good. <laughs> when you think of all the people that are in this country and around the world. And you're to drawing up a million people. To, to be fair, Manny, and, and I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the current product. I, I was a big fan of the uh, the product when you were wrestling. And, and that's why that's why I don't I try not to talk about the current stuff because I'm out of my out of my uh, swim lane. But uh, is it is it fair to say, though, that there's just a lot more distractions now than there was back then? I mean, back 30 years ago, you only had four channels on your TV. So if wrestling was on, you watched it. Uh, if you were a wrestling fan, now you can watch it. You could watch it later. You could watch it on YouTube. You could watch it on Twitter. You could catch up online. I mean, isn't it at least a little bit fair to say there's just a lot of distractions these days. And there are so many ways that we get our consumption of, of entertainment. Oh, yeah. There's so many. Oh, God. Bruce. There's so many channels on TV. They actually have to put all kinds of garbage just to have a network or a show on that network because what else are you going to fill it with? Reruns and everything. I mean, there's so many TV networks, so many channels that most of the time all the TV shows and some of the wrestling is garbage. But you right. have to take them. Yeah, you're right. Back in the day, they had so many channels, but 
that's what wrestling was popular in. It was wrestling was considered a major sport as a sport, not as entertainment. It was a sport and people watched it. And you had viewers, 10 million viewers, whatever. We had great ratings when uh, on TBS. I remember we were better than some of the uh, network shows and stuff when we were on TBS, which, you know, that went worldwide. But, you know, it's the pro- it's so watered down. You know, it's like you've seen, if you see NXT and go to AEW, they're all doing the same thing. They're all flipping and popping. Same thing with WWE. You know, basically, if you put them all together, they're doing the same daggone thing. They're all flip-flopping all over the place. Doing the, who's going to outdo the other guy? I'm waiting for somebody to come in the ring and shoot a guy in the head and ask him to kick out, you know? <laughs> that's that's yeah. what I'm waiting for because it's gotten that bad. They, they, Listen, they go to the team to draw, to draw and draw ratings, but they're not drawing ratings. They're not drawing people. If you draw 800,000 people to your network, that's not many people at all. I mean, understand, you know, there's a million channels out there. And, yeah, I mean, what is, the talent, it's the talent pool. You know, they, guys get released from WWE, all of a sudden they end up in AEW or NWA or whatever, TNA, TNA. You know, it's it's the same guys being pushed around, watered down. It's not like back in the day when you had territories and you were a top guy and you can work every territory. It's way different. I- I saw on Twitter, and I forget who put it out there, but I saw on Twitter, it was an independent event. I think it was recently because there wasn't a whole lot of people there. I mean, you're talking about probably less than 100. Couldn't tell from the camera work, but it wasn't a, a, a high production value event. And the spot that they did was they lit this guy on fire, like literally lit his crotch on fire took a weed whacker to the crotch and then whatever the, they were using to put the fire out didn't work. So this guy is literally on fire running around. They, they, I guess they finally got it out, but he got second degree burns and they did that. This wasn't a televised event and there might've been a hundred people there. That is how the business has, uh, I, I would say devolved. Would you ever do that to yourself to, you know, to make 20 bucks in front of a hundred people? Oh my God! You know what's so funny, Bruce? You tell me you're saying that about that thing. I saw the same thing in an independent show. Might say had 20 people in it, and the <laughs> guy lit his climbed to the top rope and lit his hair on fire and did a hard to raise head, but but he couldn't get the fire out, so he was like freaking out, and everybody freaking out. <laughs> I started laughing. I go, yeah. Now then, when you burn yourself to death, <laughs> that's gonna be a good one. He lit his daggone hair on fire to do a Harley Race headbutt on the guy. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what is going on with these people? You know, they're trying yeah, you, and you're doing it in front of nobody. There's nobody. It's not like you have 200,000 people there. You know, uh, it's amazing how stupid people are now. And, and I'm not I'm not insulting the people that go to those shows. I, we love wrestling fans, and those are the people that go to the conventions too, and they support the business and they keep it going, and they help a lot of legends uh, make make money after they're retired from autographs and stuff. But I mean, it's just go and do these events, make the sport of wrestling or the the entertainment value of wrestling, the uh, the athletic competition, make that be what you're going for. If you're going to watch a guy get lit on fire, 
you might as well just watch a movie uh, because it's safer, right? <laughs> you don't have to yeah. go to a, a, a bingo hall or, or a, that's that's uh, that's insulting a gymnasium to get and watch a guy light himself on fire and get hit with a weed whacker. You could watch that. Just Google something on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you want to watch people set themselves on fire, eat fire. All you got to yeah. do is go to the circus. You go to the circus and they had a yeah. fire eater. Still do that. Go to Vegas. Guys eat fire, but you know it's a different thing. And, and it goes back to what I was telling you about what Akishi is saying about these people just drawing in these people that really want to think they can be pro wrestlers and taking their money and doing nothing because they really don't know how to teach them. They don't know how to teach them respect. They've been school. It's like a we what two weeks ago I had two of my former students come down, David Shea and and Pink uh, uh, Angel Angela. Right, pink, and, and I called David schizo because this kid's so daggone tough, he ain't afraid of nothing. He has no fear. I, one time when I was training him, he got stabbed in the chest in a fight, and he kept fighting until he beat both the guys up. And I called him up and said, hey, dude, if you die on me, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but they came down here, and what, what amazed me is they were trained 20 years ago. And they remember every little thing. I used to tell everybody, and to this day, every little thing, the little things in pro wrestling are the most important things. The little things you think that don't matter, matter. and matter more than anything. The way you do it, the way you present it. And it amazed me that I was sitting there watching them go over with the young students that I'm training. And they just, I'm just going, my God, they remember all that? I even forgot it. I even forgot the stuff like that. Then when I, they were doing it, I'm going, my God, you guys still remember all that? Go, yeah, we remember everything stuff. And it's just amazing that they remember the good things about pro wrestling instead of the flipping, setting yourself on fire, weed whacking yourself, going through paint glass, thumbtacks, you know, all that. You know, that used to have a reason for ECW, but that stuff is ridiculous now. Well, Manny, sometimes, like when that was just maybe a fraction of what you saw on the events then maybe there's some value to it but now you have entire shows that are built around i mean czw let's look at czw combat zone wrestling famous for death matches and, and all this crazy stuff but when that's your whole show doesn't there's no what's next, you know, how you're always trying to top something that you can't top. And the only thing that, that is going to be the payoff at some point is, yeah, a guy kicking out of a gunshot. And I just feel like we're going so far, you're never going to be able to go back and the business is just going to burn itself out. Yeah, and that's what it did. Yeah, I, I attended one of those. I was on a card at CZW or whatever, and they were out there. That's when they were using the weed whackers and stuff. I was just laughing and go. And the guy comes up to me and he says, well, that's the way Russell here. I, I know it's not something you like doing. It might be too hard for you. I said, really? I could take you out in that ring and stick your head so far up your butt, stretch you, you won't be able to breathe. It'd be a lot worse than that weed whacker. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you want to get real. I mean, they do that crazy stuff. You know, I used to do cage matches, Bob wire, ring on fire matches, Puerto Rico. But they, they were more legit, you know. You you didn't try to use the gimmick. You tried to stay away from it. That was, the, the, you know, the thing that you didn't want to get in. You worked it where you didn't want to get near that the cage or the barbed wire or the fire. You know, these guys are going to get in there, blue roots, 
whack each other with everything they got, but window glass. I'm just like, gee, this is getting devaluing the prop and and that again it's a slippery slope let me ask you this so there's two places i want to go from that from there let me ask you about the training and and how this how do you get to the point where you're working cards with weed whackers and fire are are people training new talent to just do that stuff and are they training to work that way or is this, you know, I get trained the right way. I go to a rogue promoter and, and they take me that way. How does that work? And how does somebody know the difference between a legitimate training school and something that will take you in the wrong direction? Well, legitimate training, uh, training school like Rikishi has, like the Samoans have, like Ricky Morton has, they teach you how to wrestle. They teach you how to get up the top wrist lock, turn it into a hammer lock, push him off, arm drag him, snatch a hold. They teach you that. There's so much more pain I can inflict more pain in holes than these people can inflict with weed whackers and all that. You know, he, it's like Lutez taught me. I could, he could snap every, Lutez could snap every bone in your body. That's going to hurt a lot more than a weed whacker. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, sure. That's what I was taught. And he, you know, I teach my people wrestling. That way, it's like I tell people, if you convince people that this is a contest of wills, one trying to be, beat the other through wrestling, like it says on the marquee, because the marquee will never change. The marquee stays, stays rushing. That's the way it's always going to be, rushing. It's never going to change. So you go out there and wrestle. And how you present it, you know, it's going to get over. If you look like you're ripping somebody's arm off and beat them with it, then the people believe in that. If you work that whole, like it was worked back in the old, the Andersons worked it, Arn, Ole, Gene, you know, a lot of people. I've done it with Rick Rude. We look, we look like you're going to break the guy's arm. You know, you teach that. Right. I teach people there's weapons. We're not boxers, so don't punch. You got elbows, you got backhands, you got legs, you got kicks, you got knees to the head. There's so many things you could do to hurt people outside of punching that that's what you understand wrestling should be about. Not a boxing match. It's not a weed whacker match. It's about wrestling and proving to people that, you know, that a hold means something and you can hurt somebody seriously. That's what Rakishi teaches. The Mullins teachers, Rick Morton school teachers, I've been there. So I know Robert Gibson school down at Mobile. All them guys are teaching old school wrestling. Well, what they do is after they graduate or whatever, they start trying to go out on their own, and they end up with some idiot promoter that wants to do this, that, to get the show over because that's all they know how to do. They don't know how to sell wrestling because, number one, like Rakishi said, they don't know wrestling. They don't know how to teach it. So what do they do? They give you all these crazy things. Here, you go do this. If you're crazy enough to go do that, you'll make this kind of money. Well, you go out there and do all that stuff for 25 bucks. That's not, that's not wrestling. That's not a living. You're not professional. Yeah, back in the, in the old days, it wasn't so much the gimmicks, but wouldn't they run burn towns out by loading the cards up over and over again? And then at, at, after, you know, eight weeks of tip-top matches from, from top to bottom on the card, they had nowhere to go with anything. So people didn't want to come back out and see it. Is, isn't it the same kind of thing, just a modern way of burning, of burning a territory out? Yeah. Yeah, I've witnessed a couple of those uh, burned territories, one in Florida because of Dusty putting himself over all the time. Nobody wants to admit it, but I'll tell the truth. We had a great territory, but, you know, of course, dusty, 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 dusty. And he always had to wrestle hard and race for that world title. 
and all these big shows. Yeah, it burns out. That's why the territories, back in the day, the nine territories, when they saw that one of the top guys was slowing down, he wasn't drawing, he right away brought in fresh meat, called out to another territory, hey, we need another top guy. Let's switch our top guy with your top guy, bring him in here. And he got a new blood, new faith, new fire, new new right. whole thing, new program. So you pick up the territory. That's what the, the top guys used to go to territory to pick up the territory. If the territory was dying down, then you knew you had to change your talent. So you brought in new talent and fed it, new blood, and put your life back into the territory. And but of course, you know, you have territories where the booker's the the superstar, and it's all about him, 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 him. And eventually, people just sick of it, and you burn the territory. Interesting. So good. Just getting back to the schools for a second. So you know, you have these rogue schools out there that are that are just uh, teaching high spots, or you know, guy had a cup of coffee, you know, in in one of the promotions and all of a sudden starts a wrestling school. How does somebody, because there's a lot of kids that still, you know, they want to get into wrestling or they want to get into a, uh, maybe MMA or something like that. And, and there's just a lot of places out there that'll take your money. How does somebody identify and know the difference? I mean, besides like, let's say they never watched wrestling uh, up until now. So they don't know Rikichi, Rikichi or they don't know Manny Fernandez. How do they know? What's what's the things that they can look for? Because I think that's something we can put out on this podcast and help people. Well, you know, you go to the, the class schools, guys that know them, they've been in the business. You can you can look it up and Google. I mean, on Facebook or Google or whatever. But I mean, talking about schools and the guys that've been in the business and worked top and were top talent and drew money. Rakishi was one of them. The Samoan, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson. You know, look at the names. The Ohio Valley. I forgot the kid's name. He's a good kid. Uh, Al Snow. Al Snow. Al Snow. Al Al Snow, Snow Ohio, Valley. Ohio Valley. You know, Tom Pritchard's school in Tennessee. Tom Pritchard was a great worker. I know because me, Chapel Guerrero, Tiger Conway Jr. Uh, trained him. So he's got all that old school. And he's got great kids coming out. In fact, when uh, Mike Gunner here at Golf State Wrestling Alliance opens up in November, starts running promotions here when there's COVID's almost all gone. That's what he's using, Tom Pritchard's talent, Al Snow's talent, the talent that I told him from Damian Wayne coming down from uh, Tennessee. Those kind of people that have been trained by, properly trained by guys that have a background in wrestling. You look those guys. Those are the guys that are going to train you and give you a good shot. Well, your Rakishi's been with WWE, and the Samoan's been with WWE. So they have those connections to be able to call people that are in charge of WWE and talent looking for talent, calling John Cohn, even calling Vince and tell him, hey, we got some great kids. And Vince already knows the Samoans have put out great kids. He knows Rikishi's put out great guys. I mean, it's Ricky Martin's got some great kids. You know, Robert, these schools of people that have been in the business and worked the business on top for 20, 30 years of their life and still doing it are the ones you want to go to. They're not the ones that's going to lie and take your money. Because so, they so- Kids have to ask, how long has this trainer been in the business, right? And where have they worked? And what have they done? Yes. Who have they worked against? Those are some of the things that people should ask. Yes. You know, if you look into the background, what have they done? How many people, you know, I'll say, oh, like I, I mentored JBL, Booker T, Stevie Ray, R-Truth is mine, completely. Terry Taylor, Barry Wood. I mentored all these people that have names in the business. 
Look at the people that they helped mentor or fully trained. And if they made it in the business, then that person must know what the hell they're doing. Right. He must know how to train people, you know? He must know, you know, but to take people's money. And look, Mike said to tell you, Pinky David said, well, you never, you never took all our money. We never finished paying you. He said, of course you did. You got too good. Why would I keep you training if you're good enough to go out and wrestle and make your own money? That's right. all you're supposed to do. You know, you're not supposed to keep them on and keep you taking their money. Wait a minute, wasn't that wasn't that the moolah technique? Uh, and then the fabulous yeah. moolah, if you trained with her one day, she were indebted yeah. for life. Yeah, you were indebted to moolah for life. Oh, yeah. yeah it, that was horrible with the girls. She controlled the girls. I'll give her that much. She controlled the girls. If you trained with moolah, she controlled you for the rest of your career. And, you know, that's, that's unbelievable. I've seen people try that. I've seen some of these wrestling schools try that. They said, well, if you get good enough and you make it WWE, we're going to get 25% because we started you. <laughs> I would have looked him in the face and said, how would you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah I'm training somewhere else. Yeah. Manny, where, I mean, where did we go? <laughs> where did we go wrong? Where did the business, I mean, we're at the point we are now, flips and flops. And, and listen, very talented people. I mean, I could never do, uh, a, you know, triple flip off the top rope i couldn't i mean there's a lot of high risk maneuvers and it's a different sport what happened um was it ecw was it just an evolution of you know kids needing fast-paced action you know rest holds not getting over with crowds anymore well how do we get here well i hate to say this you know but all this started when vince turned everything into entertainment yeah. Now it became entertainment. People were trying to entertain people the best way they could, you know? And uh, they just, I don't know, it just went, it went hog wild. People trying to do the best uh, instead of wrestling, trying to impress people with the flips. You know, it just, that entertainment really messed up the pro wrestling world. It went from wrestling to entertainment. So that's what people say. The people entertaining, I guess, they want to come to the circus and see the flips. You know, instead of wrestling, but... but but you worked in Japan, right? And that was that style's yeah. been in Japan for years and years and years, isn't it? How how is it different? I mean, because it's still looked at in many ways as sport over there, right? Well, yeah, they you know in Japan, all we had to do is their, their spinning back kicks and their flying back kicks. You know, they did all the kung fu stuff. You know, and that's not logical. You know, it's believable. You know, and it's. Right. In Japan, it's still Japan. You're still going to have to go over there and work your butt off and wrestle hard while they're going to beat the hell out of you. And it's been that way for century, well, a century probably. I don't know. But, it, you know, Japan's still Japan. They still do the tough wrestling, one-on-one -on -one wrestling, and, you know, more MMA style trying to take, you know, their, their karate and their kicks and everything. So in Japan, I think it stays the same. I haven't been there in 20 years, but I'm pretty sure I've seen I've seen a lot of things on Facebook, people that I've known when I went there. I spent 12 years in Japan, so I've had some real good friends, and they sent stuff, and it still looks like the old days. And would you say that modern wrestling in America is, is some? It's really a hybrid of uh, hardcore wrestling, ECW and WWE Attitude Era style, mixed with Mexican wrestling 
mixed with Japanese wrestling and that and then and we're kind of like the melding pot. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, and then you stir up the bowl and it becomes a big bowl of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it becomes. You stir that bowl up, all that mixture of all that wrestling just becomes a big bowl of shit that people see as entertainment and that's why you got uh ratings of eight hundred thousand people and a million people instead of having ten, five million, six million. Sure. Well, yeah, but, I guess yeah you could you, you could know, argue that if T V there's a lot of different things on T V but the Super Bowl still draws, you know, twenty million people, thirty million people, and you can't say that about WrestleMania. No. No, it used to draw a lot of people, it ain't drawing nothing no more, but uh, it's just, it's a whole different world. That's that's what I said. When I talk to my kids, they tell me, yeah, like David says, they go to independent show and he says, you know, it, it used to be what we call wrestling etiquette in the dressing room, you know? You know, the old timers that were there way before you were, you don't give a damn who you were. You walked up to that old timer and shook his hand and told him your name and respect and, you know, tell him, you know, you showed him etiquette, you showed him respect. And David was sitting down there and he was telling me about the guy walking in the dressing room, must have been 90 pounds soaking wet. And he thought he was King Kong. And he was talking to his garbage at garbage and walking around like he was some big shot and disrespecting the dressing room. You know, you did that in my era. You got the hell beat out of you. And they packed your bag and threw you out of the dressing room. He never came back. You know? <laughs> it's ridiculous because what? They did, well, I'm a wrestler. No, you're not a wrestler. You know, you're on an independent show. They might have 100, 150 people. You know, they make you 20 bucks. You're not a wrestler. Yeah. You're not making yeah. that for a living. Yeah, no, I, listen, uh, you're you're preaching to the choir here for sure. Um, not not my not my style that I prefer. And I, I don't think in any walk of life you, I, I think that, it always takes a team, you know, and, and uh, in business, I think this way a lot. There's there's certainly people in, in life that are more talented than others. But if you're going to do anything, it, it's a team production. You know, the best the best rock bands are maybe filled with a couple really talented people. But if the lighting people aren't great and the drummer's not great, you're not going to have a great concert. If if okay. wrestling, if if the bookers aren't great and the the referees not great, you're not going to have you're not going to be able to tell the right story. So I don't think anybody should ever walk in and act like they're they're the king because really, especially now, there's no one person that can put on a show. Let me pause right there, Manny, before you uh, react to that respond. I want to take the opportunity to take a really quick break. We'll come back on the other side. And uh, I want to get your opinion on uh, on New Jack, who passed away, because he wrestled the style that, that we just uh, hated on for a little yeah. bit. So I want to get your thoughts there. Uh, and, uh, and we'll uh, keep the conversation going. This is No BS with the Bull Worldwide in the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. Bill After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my 
Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's... uh, He's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, well, I want to say one thing there. Bruno was an LA champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Apter, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did didn't have anything to do Well, yes, but the whole thing is this. If the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Back here on OBS with the Bull, the voice of choice, Bruce Ford, and the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, uh, here on the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. And if you haven't had a chance to go and check out some of our other programming, make sure you do it. You got Bill After, Ken Resnick, Wes Briscoe, Shelly Martinez. There's a lot of great talent. The, the maestro, Rob Kellum, uh, Sassy Stephanie, lots of great wrestling talent, old school people telling you stories, taking you behind the scenes of the greatest uh, moments in pro wrestling history visit vocnation.com for much more and you know manny i think that's what i love about talking to you every week besides doing the show together i just enjoy uh i just enjoy our chats because i, I you know i'm an old school wrestling fan and you're an old school it's in your blood and i just i think that that's that's a great conversation for me so i I appreciate our time together every other every week man yeah yeah i do too i do i love the voice of choice plug it and (laughs) try to get it out there and i love the people you know you got some good people there west briscoe and rob kellum i have a lot of respect for him he's a great guy you know shelly martinez and all them you're doing a great job because you got a good product out there and hopefully everybody understands that it's about wrestling, not about entertainment. We're going to talk wrestling. You know, we're going to talk about the old days, the, the way it should be done. Today, and, and you know what gets me? As, as we talk about these schools and stuff, I keep thinking and forgetting it. The NXT school, the trainers, Adam Pierce and Terry, especially Terry, because, you know, I helped Terry get into the business. They're all old school. So they're teaching these guys wrestling at NXT. They mix it up and do it's like I say, I will teach you old school wrestling. I will teach you will take it and make it your own. Create it into something and mold it into something that's different. Even though it's the same thing, make it different in your own way. Put your own style into it. So that's probably what some of these guys are doing by adding some of these high man- wrist maneuvers and stuff. But they are taught wrestling in NXT because I know the people that are teach there have been taught right. 
Oh, for sure. For, for sure. I, 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 um, I think that if you look at the NXT product versus the AEW product, the NXT product has a, a much more old school feel with the mixed with yep. the WWE production. I, I just don't. So ratings wise, AEW seems to sell better. Like when they competed head to head, AEW carried better ratings. And since they separated, I mean, AEW is now uh, dominating that time slot in a lot of ways. And NXT is still kind of meddling along. So maybe that's just not what people like anymore, Manny. Maybe, maybe we're, <laughs> maybe we're dinosaurs now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jerry Pump said that to me. What time he says, yeah, we're dinosaurs. We're eventually going to be extinct. We're dinosaurs. Because there's not much. Because he always tell me, wrestling is like a wheel. It goes in a cycle. It goes in a cycle. And we start getting bad, that wheel will slow down. But then it'll come back. And that cycle will keep. He goes, but I think we're dinosaurs now, kid. I think we're going to be extinct pretty soon. I think he's right. Well, you <laughs> I really know what? Do. The thing is, there's a reason that Peacock wanted the WWE Network. There's a reason, and and a lot of old school content. And I still, I think, I, what I heard, um, I heard Bruce Pritchard say uh, one time that the the new stuff sells a lot more than the old stuff on WWE Network. But I think there's still a tremendous audience for the old stuff, and I I just hope that that never goes away and and we can we can still have some level of that out in the current product but let, let me go back to what we were talking about before with uh you know how we got here and we talked about vince mcmahon and his part you know when he opened up the business and destroyed the magic that was one part but another really significant person to get wrestling to where it is today was paul Heyman. paul Heyman when uh ECW formed out of the remnants of Joel Goodhart's TWA. You know, Joel was doing some crazy stuff in TWA. And then ECW formed out of, uh, you know, what fell apart there. Joel ran out of money. Uh, Todd Gordon and Paul Heyman came in behind him, picked up the the talent from Ringmasters Wrestling School, and ECW was born. Um and they only had a two-year life cycle, but Paul changed the business because he had such an influence on WWE and WCW. People started picking up what they were doing, right? Yeah, some some of the stuff. And, you know, ECW was good when they brought out the hardcore kind of matches and the people, the talent they had with the Sandman. And, but I'm going to tell you something. You know, they had uh, Homicide. They had solid wrestlers that were believable in the things they did. The matches they did, they were so believable because their wrestlers were solid. They were trained well. But what made ECW, when Paul Heyman, as everybody thinks, what really got ECW on the map is when they brought in Terry Funk and started doing them crazy matches with Fabu and Mick Foley and those kind of things. Terry Funk actually put, in my eyes, put the ECW on the map. I mean, it was there. It was hanging in there and they were drawing, but they weren't drawing what they were drawing until Terry Funk came in. And Terry made it stepped up to craziness. Terry got all the barbed wire and you know Terry's crazy. I've had Bob Wire matches with him. He just goes nuts. It's <laughs> it's unbelievable the stuff he does in that Bob Wire. But I think that's where it picked it up. And yeah, you know, you could say Paul Heyman was there, but to me in my eyes, ECW took off when they brought in Terry Funk. And he had those crazy matches with those guys. Yeah, Terry 
Larry Funk, Mick Foley, because it brought some name value to the the stuff that they were doing. And and really, yeah. if you look at it, because Terry Funk was there and and some other guys, you remember Snooka worked in the ECW in the early days, Don Morocco and Shane Douglas, of course. Those guys were able to to bring up the other guys, like uh, back in the early days, the Benoits, the Rey Mysterios, and and really get them over and get people's eyes on those talents. And I think it all worked together. And again, too many spots. I think that's why it fizzled out after two years. Where do you go? I mean, there's only so far you can go with all of that that gore and violence, right? You know. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, you take it's like I said, you take it to a point where you're waiting for the guy to come in with a gun and shoot somebody. You know, that's not going to happen. So it's basically died out. But you know, as I was telling telling you earlier, this business revolves evolves by the people that carry the business. It's like the business was created back in the day when Ed Strangler Lewis and Luke Dev and. Uh, you know, Carl Gotch and all those old timers were bad. And then they went on to the Funk, Funk Senior and Geigel, Pat O'Connor, and all them great champions, Harley Race, all the years of the Murdoch. But the business evolved for the better. I think the business is evolving for the worse now. You know, sure. when you can probably get a million people to watch your, your wrestling, what you're doing on primetime or primetime. Uh, TV time, which 7, 8 p.m., we, we consider prime time because everybody's home from work and everybody ate dinner. Now you can watch TV. If you sit down and watch wrestling, they don't do that anymore. They don't have that that kind of rating. But we got, what, 500 million people in this country, and you've already drawn a million of those people? That's not saying that's not doing well in your ratings as, as a promotion. Right, right. And again, you look at it in stride and it's still it's still not nearly as uh, as uh, hot of a product as as it once was. Let let me ask you this while we're on ECW that you saw the passing of New Jack. I I thought about what you said about, you know, somebody kicking out from a gunshot wound. And, uh, you know, New Jack was as hardcore as they come. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know him personally, but apparently lived his life behind this behind the curtain hardcore as well. And uh, he passed away, sadly, this past weekend. We record on uh, what is today? Monday, the 17th. He recorded he passed away uh, this past weekend and uh, God rest his soul. Uh, had you ever had any dealings with New Jack or any any inside stories about New Jack that uh, validated that? No. No, not really. I mean, I, I met him a few times. You know, I knew he did all that stuff. I met him. Uh, we did some shows together when I was in Homicide, training Homicide. We did some shows together, and, you know, he did his thing. And, you know, to me, it's, you know, it's sad that he's gone, but, you know, he had, you know, that kind of life that he wasn't going to stop doing what he was doing. So that probably cut his life short. I'm surprised Sandman ain't next to him, you know. I hate, I hate to say that, but he's an idiot, too, and, you know, and they do, you know, you got to learn when to stop. There's a point in life where you say, okay, that's it. You know, I'm done. You know, I had the wild, crazy time for 30 years of my life. You know, I was sure. nuts. I was, did everything you can imagine I did and more. <laughs> so there came the time that you just say, hey, dude, I, I want to live a little bit longer. I got things to do. And I got, I love teaching and spreading the word, you know, and, and 
You just gotta learn when to stop pursuing this, and some people don't. And eventually, it catches up to you. Everything, hey, like I said before, there's no guarantees in life. The only thing that's guaranteed is death, and that's guaranteed is going to happen. So, it's what you do to take care of that that makes you a better person. But you know, you got to learn to slow down and get off that. Uh, like that old saying, me and Jack and Jerry Bristol used to say. Some spotlights ain't nothing but jive. Somebody shoot out their spotlight. Spotlights ain't nothing but jive. Eventually, the spotlights are gone. And that's what Manny, a lot of people feel like. Manny, how did you, how did you figure it out? How did you uh, settle down? Was it, was it the lady in your life? Was it just the a new love for teaching, like you said? Like, I mean, some people just can't get the, the, the thrill of even a couple hundred people cheering for them out of their system. How, and, and, and then they go crazy after the event, you know, because it's just habit. I'm going to drink excessively. I'm going to do whatever drugs. How did you get out of that? What helped you? Well, when somebody takes your freedom and you've been, you know, I fought for freedom, you know, I served to fight for freedom, protect the freedom of this country. But when somebody takes your freedom and locks you up like an animal, you start thinking about things. You start thinking about this, you know, I wasn't raised that way. My mom didn't raise me. I got I didn't have a father. I had a mom that raised eight children. And she raised us right. My mom was a paralegal and she taught me I in fact I have a degree in criminal justice. You know, yeah. that's what I wanted to be. And when somebody takes your freedom and you're locked up 24, 23 hours a day because you're stupid, because you can't control yourself and you want to beat up everybody because you're angry. And you find out there's an eight by eight place cell is nothing to, to play with. And the people around you are nothing to play with. When some of you got to wake up and realize, hey, I don't like being an animal, caged up animal. I want to be a human being. You start so, worrying about that. It takes so it was, it was jail that's, that, that kind of got you on the right track. We got prison. Prison. Prison, prison back on getting serving four and a half months in prison kind of uh, woke me up. I don't need this, you know. And, and besides that, you know, I how many how many lives do I have? I've been shot twice, stabbed eight times, had right. numerous fights. that should have been dead. I mean, you can't push it to the point where you think you're a cat and nine lives. No, eventually you, something's going to happen. And I thank God that maybe he's been on my side because. You know, a lot of people would die from the things that happened to me. You know, you see somebody get gut shot. Normally they're die or, or maybe, you know, I'm just, I woke up. Being locked up woke me up and said, hey, that's why, you know, I got into praying. And, you know, I never lost touch with the Lord Jesus Christ. Never. I just put him on the side for a while. I told him, hey, take your time out. Let me carry on with my crazy life. I never had to be one of those people that believes they're, they're born again. No, I've only bo I was born and baptized once, and I always had the Lord Jesus Christ on my side. I just put him in part for a while. I put him in check for a while, and I realized without him, I have no life. The only reason I'm going and survived all this in my life isn't because of him. Sure. You know, and, and I'm not a holy roller, but you know, I believe now that when my life turned around, that it's because of Jesus, of my Lord Jesus Christ, you know, and then just waking me up, you know, just it, it takes sometimes a horrifying a a event in your life to 
to wake you up, which should never do. You hopefully wake up on your own and realize one day, hey, I can't do this no more. But mine was that terrible turning point of being sent to prison for four and a half months. Amen. Amen to all of that. Manny, as we close this week, and a fantastic show, and I think, again, I want to invite anybody that's new to VOC Nation or to No BS with the Bull, go back and listen to some of the other, I think we've done nine shows now together, go back and listen to the other eight episodes of No BS with the Bull, because Manny... Uh, Manny, this isn't an opinion show about the modern product. Manny takes you through his journey, through his eyes, and really takes you through uh, the old school uh, respect for the business and and uh, just with that eye, with that perspective on everything. So go back and do that. Manny, uh, let's end by, is there any piece of advice that you have for people that are out there that are maybe on the wrong track? But they're still on the front end of their their uh, their life or their career. Maybe they're thirty and they're on the wrong track, into drugs or into alcohol, drinking while they're while they're working. What advice do you have for those people? Since you live some hard battles in your life, you should shut up. aware. Be aware of what you're doing. If you want to go further in your career, realize that there's some things you can and cannot do, and do the things you can. Forget about the ones you cannot do because. That's what's going to take you down. It's going to take you down big time. And just believe in this. You got to have faith in yourself. Ain't nobody else going to give you that outside the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in yourself, and you can accomplish anything. You got to believe in yourself and carry yourself like you do. Awesome. Awesome. A amen to that. I'll give you another amen. Manny, this is a great, great week of fast-paced and action-packed. Uh, now that the, the mask requirement is over, I know you're in Texas where the, the state requirement's been gone for a while, but is, is it freeing at all to you? Are you still wearing the mask or are you, uh, I know you're vaccinated. We've talked about it. Uh, I, I was so happy once uh, I got my vaccination and, and when that news came out, it was so freeing to walk into an ice cream store and not feel like I was uh, going to transmit or catch the virus. Yeah, well, I don't trust people. <laughs> so I'm vaccinated, but when I do go somewhere inside with the store or something like that, I still wear my mask. I still, still wear my mask. I have underlying conditions anyway. So, you know, I don't yeah. trust people. You know, everybody was uh, crying and whining about masks, wearing the mask and blah, 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 and just making a big deal out of it. And, and it's just, there's just, I don't know, there's just so many people that, you can't trust, you know, even though they get the COVID shot and we're doing great with that and unmasking people, there's people out there that are not going to say that they got the shot or didn't get a shot and say they got the shot. And so I just don't trust too many people right now. You know, I always say you have to, people have to do you, you have to do what makes you feel comfortable and it's no Nobody should be out there judging somebody that still wants to wear nope. a mask inside or out because that is their own personal decision. And uh, you make your decision. Uh, they make their decision. And we get through this together. And, and that's what everybody yeah. has to. People yeah. have to stop being so emotional. There's a PSA for everybody. But me personally, I am. Uh, I'm I'm just happy to not have that piece of cloth on my face. I never liked it. I'm a, you know I like to see faces, Manny. I like to uh, 
to see faces and um, whatever. I'll, I'll take my chances for a little while and uh, hopefully it doesn't bite me. <laughs> All right, Manny, I uh, love you to death. Uh, great, great, great episode again this week. And um, please go back and listen to the other seven, eight, or nine. I forget where we're at, but uh, you can see it. And just subscribe to the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed. All of our stuff is on one feed, and you go to vocnation.com to catch up as well. Manny, anything uh, happening in your life in the next week that people need to know about? No, everything's chilling right now. I'm just training the, the kids here, and that's about it. That's the only excitement in my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Manny, yeah, you have a great week. We'll come back and we drop this show every Monday on that VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed. So that's it for now for the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, the voice of choice, Bruce Ward. We'll be back next week. No BS with the Bull, Manny Fernandez, worldwide at VOCNation.com. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend, the raging bull, Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation.